Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our ministry when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael's teaching in Matthew chapter 8, verses 18 through 27, called King Over the Storm. Let's uh, turn our Bibles to Matthew chapter 8. We're moving verse by verse through the Gospel of Matthew. We're in chapter 8. King Over the Storm is the title. So here we are. We're in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 8. We're going to read the text together. It's 18, Matthew 8, 18, and we're going to read up to verse 27. So why don't you stand, if you're able, for the reading of God's Word. Matthew 8, 18. Now when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders, Matthew 8, 18, to depart to the other side of the sea. Then a scribe came and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus said to him, The foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Another of the disciples, 21, said to him, Lord, permit me first to go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, Follow me and allow the dead to bury their own dead. When he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea so that the boat was being covered with the waves, but Jesus himself was asleep. And they came to him and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. He said to them, Why are you afraid, you men of little faith? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the sea, and it became perfectly, perfectly calm. The men were amazed and said, What kind of a man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? You can have a seat. Father, thank you for your mighty word. And this majestic, familiar story, but one that has so many layers of insights into who you are, Jesus, and also insights into who we are in Christ and the cost of discipleship. We want to be those who follow you, Lord, whether it's into a storm across the other side of the sea, into a Gadarene graveyard or wherever it may be, and you take us to wonderful places. Oftentimes it's green pastures, and still waters, and sometimes you take us right into the storm, and thank you that you're in our boat. If we're Christians, that you live inside of us, and we have that hope as the anchor of our soul, Hebrews 6, 19, in a stormy world. Thank you that your shalom, your peace brings us calm in the storm, and I pray that whatever you want us to learn, however we can become more like you, more people filled with faith instead of just little faith. Would you increase our faith? Would you grow us through the storms and through the calm times so that we can represent you well and be ambassadors of this message of hope? I pray in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Now, there are two major themes in our story. One is discipleship. So I want you to keep that in mind. We'll be talking about what it means to be a disciple and actually follow the Lord and count the cost in following the Lord. And then we're going to talk about who Jesus is. And we're going to get some really strong insight into the divinity of Christ, that he is fully human and yet fully God. Let's pick it up at verse 18 with the words, now. Jesus saw a crowd around him. If you were with us last week, we saw this beautiful verse. It's from Isaiah 53. Jesus had healed well into the night on the northwest shore of the Sea of Galilee in a place called Capernaum. 
It's known as his adopted hometown. And as he healed deep into the night, verse 16 says, when evening came, they brought to Jesus, 816, many who were demon-possessed. He cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were ill. This was to fulfill what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet. He himself, Messiah, took our infirmities and carried away our diseases. That was fulfilled in the healing ministry of Jesus Christ. Now, we pick up the account. When Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to depart to the other side. Now, giving orders is something very kingly, and Matthew's capturing the idea that Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and the bigger theme of Matthew has been the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. Jesus giving orders is very kingly. But Jesus has a great crowd at this point, and whenever someone draws a great crowd, there's a great temptation to say, hey, cool things are happening, and there's so many people flocking. And it would be, I think, a motivation of any preacher, and it's not uh, that a crowd is a bad thing, to see many, many people coming. But Jesus had this tendency not to put too much stock in crowds, And so he wants to move to the other side of the lake at this very moment when the crowd has swelled and there's so many people. And it's not that Jesus is against crowds, but Jesus didn't always give himself to what our eyes would normally see as success. And so he's about to get in a boat. Mark tells us it's a fleet of boats. It's actually a fishing boat that Jesus will get into. You know that some of the apostles were fishermen. Let's put up a picture of a boat that was discovered in 1986 at the Sea of Galilee. It was actually pulled out of the mud. And what they had to do is they had to use a foam substance that they sprayed all around the ship because they discovered it was 2,000 years old. Uh, I don't know if that this is the ship that Jesus was on, but this is a typical f- fishing vessel that dates back to the time of Jesus and it's been preserved and you can see it today in Israel and you get a little scale by seeing those people off to the side. Wasn't a huge vessel, probably comfortably could fit Jesus and the apostles, maybe 13, maybe a few more, it would be a little bit cramped. But in all likelihood, this is what Jesus is about to get into And he says, we're going to go to the other side. Let's put up the picture of the Sea of Galilee. We're going to the other side. Sometimes you'll see lake and sea. Uh, The Sea of Galilee is actually a fresh uh, water, uh, body of water. So technically a lake. Sits well below sea level in the Jordan called the Jordan Rift Valley. And because of the topography of the land, sudden storms can hit as wind will rush down the hillsides and hit this body of water. So even though it's a lake, there have been some pretty radical storms on this lake. And some of you, if you've ever done a trip to Israel, usually what's included in a trip to Israel is a boat ride on the Sea of Galilee. I've done it twice. It's been a a lot of fun. And oftentimes as a pastor uh, on one of these trips, I'll share one of the Sea of Galilee stories as we travel across the sea. I remember one time we were in Israel and tensions were high in America as they always seem to be. And the captain of the ship raised an Israeli flag, an American flag together. He played the national anthem of America. And he said to us on the boat, don't don't worry, America, Israel is with you. I think today's question is, are we with them? That's for another sermon. Now, when Jesus gave orders to depart to the other side, we need to know what was on the other side. Right now in the story, we're on the northwest shore of the Sea of Galilee, 
He's saying go to the other side. On the other side of the sea or the lake was a place called the Decapolis. The Decapolis was known as the Ten Cities, and they were loosely governed cities. They weren't really under the control of the Herods, and they were Hellenistic cities. What does that mean? Hellenism is another way to say Greek culture, heavily influenced by Greek culture, Greek ideas. Greek ideas pretty much landed in the area of what we would today call humanism. Humanism is a 50-cent term that the worldview of many today is that humanity is the center of the universe. So if you're a humanist, you pretty much dismiss God and put humanity at the center of all that that is. In America, humanism is winning much of the day. It's what people are enamored with, self. And it's a very uh, attractive thing to all of us because we all struggle with these things of trying to put God first and having a biblical worldview. On the other side of the lake, it was very pagan. Uh, There wasn't a whole lot of Jewish influence over there. The pig was a sacred animal. And it was dark. You could say religiously dark, but culturally as well. Maybe we might say like a first century Las Vegas or New Orleans where people would go over there because they knew it was kind of a sin city type of thing. On the other side of the lake was a secular world, a pagan world. And Jesus says, that's where we're going. And if we're one of the disciples standing there, we might say, Lord, wait a minute. Things are churning at the church here, man. We got so many people coming. You're doing miracle after miracle. Why would we go over there? Why would we go over to the other side of the lake? And if you know what's ahead, you know that on the other side of the lake, there are two demon-possessed men who live in what's called the area of the Gadarenes or the Gerasenes. They live among the tombs. They're two very scary individuals. We will look at the story next time we're together, but I will tell you that scholars say taking the uh, sea miracle that we're about to share together and the miracle of the, the uh, demons being cast out of the demoniacs are probably to be taken or read together as a pair because they have a connection and they're read together in all three of the synoptic gospels or they're uh, side by side. So Jesus gives orders. And he says, we're going over to that unclean side of the lake. Mark fills in the gaps. He says, on that day when evening had come, Jesus said to them, let's go over to the other side. Leaving the multitude, they took him along with them just as he was in a boat and other boats were with him. So one thing we need to understand as we put together gospel account with gospel account is that Jesus had kind of a mini fleet, a little fisherman's fleet moving to the other side of the lake. This lake is, uh, if I recall correctly, I think it's about 13 miles long and about eight miles wide. And so it's a pretty sizable body of water. So it would would take a while to make the trek. But before they got in a boat, a certain scribe, this is kind of a religious, uh, well-educated man of the day, a teacher of the law, an expert in the Bible, said to Jesus, teacher, he calls the teacher, Uh, Jesus teacher, but he would himself be a teacher. And the difference between him and Jesus is that this man would have been trained in all the best schools under all the chief rabbis, if you will, the well-known ones. Jesus wasn't seminary educated, ironically. (laughs) Although the Bible comes from Jesus, he didn't need a seminary training. He is the teacher, right? 
You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Would you please consider supporting Walk in Truth being on this radio station and podcast for at least $5 a month? As a thank you, we'll send you more content from Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team through our new Walk in Truth app. You will have quick access to our daily episodes. You can watch videos of Pastor Michael's most recent Sunday sermons and access to our bonus podcast and video series, A Step Closer. All this and more is available to you on our new Walk in Truth app as a thank you for your financial gift. Please become a financial partner of at least $5 a month. Visit walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walk in Truth. I will tell you that scholars say taking the sea uh, miracle that we're about to share together and the miracle of the, the uh, demons being cast out of the demoniacs are probably to be taken or read together as a pair because they have a connection and they're read together in all three of the synoptic gospels or they're uh, side by side. So Jesus gives orders and he says, we're going over to that unclean side of the lake. Mark fills in the gaps. He says, on that day when evening had come, Jesus said to them, let's go over to the other side. Leaving the multitude, they took him along with them just as he was in a boat and other boats were with him. So one thing we need to understand as we put together gospel account with gospel account is that Jesus had kind of a mini fleet, a little fisherman's fleet moving to the other side of the lake. This lake is, uh, if I recall correctly, I think it's about 13 miles long and about eight miles wide. And so it's a pretty sizable body of water. So it would, it would take a while to make the trek. But before they got in a boat, a certain scribe, this is kind of a religious, uh, well-educated man of the day, a teacher of the law, an expert in the Bible, said to Jesus, teacher, he calls the teacher, uh, Jesus teacher, but he would himself be a teacher. And the difference between him and Jesus is that this man would have been trained in all the best schools under all the chief rabbis, if you will, the well-known ones. Jesus wasn't seminary educated, ironically. <laughs> Although the Bible comes from Jesus, he didn't need a seminary training. He is the teacher, right? But it would be a bit of a concession even so for a uh, scribe of the day to call Jesus teacher because of the cultural difference, because of some of the animosity. A lot of the scribes were actually Pharisees. And we've seen in a lot of the Bible accounts that there's a adversarial relationship, at least with some of them. So a bit of a concession. And you could almost hear the apostles saying, oh, cool. We're going to have someone with a degree now. This will be great to add him to our group. I hope Jesus is nice to him. And he said, teacher, I'll follow you wherever you go. Better rendered, uh, France says, teacher, I will follow you wherever you may be going away to. You ever made a declaration like that? Maybe when you first got saved? Lord, now that you saved me, whatever you want me to do, wherever you want me to go, I'm all in. My hat's in the ring. My foot's in the boat. But do you know where they were headed? into a storm. And then their first witnessing opportunity would be in a graveyard. 
with two demon-possessed men. Where do I sign, Lord? Sounds wonderful. 20 plus years ago, we went on a missions trip to Nepal and India. And, you know, whenever you go to a place you've never been before, you have a little reservation, a little nervousness, right? So we pulled up to the first area in the bus. I got off the bus and I was told that, you know, there was a lot of non-Christian people there. And this woman had a dead bird in her hand. And she started shaking it in my face. And the bird was just flopping around because the bird was dead. And I thought, she's doing some sort of voodoo stuff on me. What's happening here? Is this some sort of ritual to put a curse on me? And my translator came over and he said, I said, what is she saying? What is she saying? He said, oh, uh, she's saying that she wants compensation for her bird because the bus ran it over. I thought she was doing voodoo. She just wanted like five bucks. What if the scribe knew that his words meant, we're going to go into the sto- a storm that you've probably never seen in your life. It'll be the darkest storm you've ever seen. And the first place the bus is pulling up is into the tombs where there are two of the scariest men you will ever meet. In fact, we read in the gospel accounts that nobody would even wanted to pass by that area anymore because these two guys were so dominated by the devil. Would you sign then? Would you sign if you knew it was a storm in a graveyard? See, that's why the cost of discipleship is before us, and that's why I believe Jesus, knowing that the man had not counted the cost, said to him, Foxes have holes, 20. The birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man, we'll come back to that title in a second, has nowhere to lay his head. Isn't that amazing that Jesus Christ left the glory of heaven. Now, we know he grew up in Nazareth. We know he was a carpenter's son. And he had, certainly had a home and stability as he was growing up. But once he began his public ministry, Jesus set that all aside. Now, we know that he probably stayed at the house of Peter in Capernaum. We know that he spent time at the house of uh, Lazarus, Mary, and Martha in Bethany, right outside of Jerusalem. But other than that, much of his ministry was an itinerant ministry, which meant that sometimes he would sleep under the stars. He didn't always have a place where people invited him, him, him in. Maybe at times there were hospitable people who said, stay in this extra room. You know, isn't it ironic? Jesus was born in a manger, and he spent much of his public ministry kind of roughing it. And he said to this scribe, who probably had a pretty cushy life, probably did well financially, a very predictable life, probably had a nice home. If you step into this boat, I want you to count the cost. Because the Son of Man, you know, this title, Son of Man, comes from Daniel 7, 13, and 14. And for the sake of time, I'm going to read it to you, but I want you to note it. I kept looking, Daniel 7, 7, 13, and 14, in the night visions, And behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like a son of man was coming. He came up to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him, this son of man was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and men of every language might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away, and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. Daniel 7, 13, and 14. Every Jewish person who went to Sabbath school knew where the Son of Man title came from. 
Jesus is making a claim to be the son of man from the book of Daniel. To have a kingdom that will be his, that he will be ruler forever, that he will be king of kings and lord of lords, that he will rule forever, every tribe, every tongue, every nation. That's what he's claiming. But there's something else here that I think we need to see. Son of man also is a parallel with son of God. And Jesus is 100% God, but took on the additional nature of humanity. Never stopped being God, but became man. And in the boat, he's going to be asleep during a radical storm where water is even filling up the boat. He was exhausted. And so when you pray to Jesus, he knows what it's like to be exhausted. He healed, it seems like from the early morning into the late evening, he was you know, facing the forces of evil. And in his humanity, he slept even through a storm. Now, some of you, when you're on planes, can sleep through turbulence and you really annoy me. You know, there's people, you know, they get on a plane and bam, they're gone. I could take all the medication in the world. It doesn't matter. I still up seeing every moment, thinking and praying something like this, Lord, I hope there's someone on the plane that you still have a plan for so that this is not the last ride I make. How many of you always think this is the last ride when you get on a plane? Your prayer life improves. You start trying to connect theological bullet points, you know. Someone on here, you've got to, you're not finished with everybody on the plane, are you, Lord? Anyway, son of God, son of man, have you counted the cost? We're not going to first-class accommodations. Now, he doesn't say to the guy, we're going to a storm in a graveyard, but I think you can read between the lines. He's saying, look, have you counted the cost? There's no record of what the man did, but we assume from the dialogue, he probably did not get into the boat. You've been listening to King Over the Storm, part one on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Matthew chapter 8 verses 18 through 27. If you missed any part of today's program, Walk in Truth is on Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and many more podcast apps. Listen for free to Pastor Michael's teachings in more books of the Bible. We would also love to hear from you. You can email Pastor Michael with your questions you may have from his teachings today, or maybe you have a question about something else, or need encouragement, or prayer. Maybe you'd like to share how Pastor Michael's teachings have affected you. You can email Pastor Michael at contact at walkintruth.com. That's contact at walkintruth.com. And thanks for reaching out. You can also find our mailing address on walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. Well, if storm is a word that would summarize your life right now, you're not alone. You know, New Year's in front of us and all of a sudden out of the gate we go back into the the normal, you know, grind and we're like, okay, I don't know if I can make it. I, I feel like a man, uh, you know, the, the water's up to past my nostrils and I'm trying to stay afloat. And what do I do now? And, you know, we get all that, right? We all can relate to that and at one level or the other. So what do I do now? I'm exhausted. I have too much on my plate. I feel like I'm drowning. Those are, those are familiar human conditions. And, and the key is to trust Jesus in the storm to know that he can calm the storm. And if he's in the boat of your life, uh, things will be okay one way or the other. But, you know, making it through can be tough, especially when the storm is brewing and 
the waves and the wind are beating against your life, it can be tough. And this is always a wonderful time to turn to the king and ask him to calm the storm. And if it doesn't calm right away, at least to get you through the storm. He will do that. He is faithful. This is Pastor Michael Lance. You are listening to Walk in Truth. We're walking through the incredible gospel of Matthew, the gospel of the kingdom. I pray that you're being blessed by it. Hey, if you listen to us on podcasts, would you share this with a friend? If you're listening over radio, tell a friend about what you're hearing. Would you keep us in prayer? We would love to do more in 2024, like to be on more radio stations. And we have some amazing partners. Would you partner with us at Walk in Truth? You know, you can go to the website anytime, 24-7, walkintruth.com. Click on that Donate tab. Please pray for us. And we just want to be found faithful, my friends, my brothers and sisters. Some of you have been listening for a long time. I'm grateful for you. Hey, keep praying, and let's see what the Lord will do in 2024. Let's be about his business. Amen and amen. We'll see you tomorrow. Remember, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. We appreciate our Walk in Truth financial partners. You contribute to our ministry, broadcast, and podcast. As a thank you for your support, we've created the Walk in Truth app. You gotta check it out. It's available in your app store. If you'd like to become a Walk in Truth partner, any amount is appreciated. You can now give on the Walk in Truth app or visit walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow for part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Matthew chapter 8, verses 18 through 27, called King Over the Storm. I'm Mike Massaro. On behalf of Pastor Michael Lance and Living Truth Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people.